All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast. Episode 212 is the OKC Thunder, the Lakers kryptonite. The Clippers are somewhat pulling it together. Scottie Pippen is pissed yet again, and the Ben Simmons saga continues. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 212. We're getting up there, Drew. Getting up there with those numbers. Uh, We got a couple birthdays I want to shout out first. Oh, yeah? Well, today's your boy's birthday, Drew. Happy 69th birthday to the big redhead, Bill Walton. Okay? Oh, wow. Love it. It's it's his birthday today. And a stat was thrown out online that, you know, a lot of people ask, like, why did Bill Walton make the top 75 of all time? When you think about it, he had like three really great years, like in the NBA and a, an amazing college career. But I, I want to throw out a stat or two stats for you. One was from college. He had 44 points in the NCAA championship game, 21 of 22 field goals. This guy had 20 points, 23 rebounds, eight blocks, seven assists in an NBA finals game. I'm going to read that one more time. 20 points, 23 boards, eight blocks, seven assists in an NBA Finals game. Two-time NCAA champ, two-time NBA champ, MVP and Finals MVP, sixth man of the year, and Luke's father. Okay, so you want <laughs> if you want one reason why Bill Walton's a top seventy-five player of all time, go ask your daddy; he'll tell you the same thing. Okay. Yeah, and I'll say something too. Oh, that Memphis game that you brought up, the twenty-one for twenty-two from the field, he didn't miss. They disallowed his. Uh, his shot because they said he dunked it so he would have been 22 of 22 in the championship game for ucla haters man that's a that's a hater move right there uh another birthday happy 33rd birthday to the miami heat they are 33 years old today today they played their first game that which they lost who do you think they lost to drew uh i have no idea i mean i just orlando (laughs) The Los Angeles Clippers, 111 to 91 was oh, their wow. first game, first loss. Uh, I thought that was a fun fact. All right, moving forward, I want to talk about the Lakers. And you had a, a nice little uh, event last night. You got to go to the game. Uh, we haven't discussed the game. It was a crazy game. And, I, I, you know, I want to talk about it. So tell me about the game, Drew. Oh, man. Well, it was first and foremost, a shout out to my brother and shout out to my dad. It was a it was a, a Miller boys trip up uh, to Staples. We went to the Palm restaurant beforehand, got a little steak in, uh, which was fantastic. But because of that, we missed like the first half of the first quarter, um, which is oh, fine. That's, uh, no, it's the, not. That's, that's no, wrong. We would have been there. We would have been. We we had nice tickets, and we were in the VIP section. Uh, but the line is actually what t- we were in line in perfect time to get into the game for tip. But the line took forever because in Staples you have to show proof of vaccination uh, and your ID in order to get into the building. Uh, so that part of it really is what took us forgot about that. Uh, longer. And we didn't we didn't expect that part. I mean, we probably should have, but we didn't we didn't think that was going to happen. So by the time I sat down. The Lakers were up 
And Anthony Davis had already 14 points, nine rebounds halfway through the first quarter. Just eating lunch. The unfortunate part is that he finished the game with only 28 points, uh, excuse me, 29 points and 18 rebounds. So the biggest takeaway for me from this game, outside of the fact that we lost yet again to the shitty fucking Thunder team, is that Anthony Davis is still not getting enough touches. He's not getting enough shots. Again, in this game, Russell Westbrook took more shots than Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis finished 11 of 20 from the field. Russell Westbrook, 10 of 23. Mm. So that's the big takeaway here. The other big takeaway is our defense is atrocious. Now, we didn't have LeBron in this game yet again. He played uh, after the after the, the crazy comeback loss against Oklahoma City, the 20-point comeback, 26-point comeback that they had and they beat us. He played in all the games after that against Cleveland. We racked off nice wins. Uh, I think we won four in a row. And in the last game against the Rockets, we played them um, two times in a row. Close one. Both both games were much closer than they should have been. He, in the fourth quarter, was taking over the game. LeBron, absolutely dominating. He had uh, a crazy run in the fourth, but there was a, a moment where he like stretched himself a little bit awkwardly, and he has an abdominal strain. But he plays through it in the fourth, which was big because we needed him out there. Uh, but due to the how cautious we're going to be with LeBron, he did not play in this one. We, we sorely missed him in this game. Now, back to the Thunder game. I still had a blast. <laughs> Going to a Laker game is awesome. And I was sitting in a group of, of, of fans that were all, they all seemed to be, you know, really diehard Laker fans. Uh, a lot of them were, we were, you know, jawing back and forth about like the shit that was going wrong. Uh, but the, the, I think the nicest part about this game from a Lakers standpoint outside of how good Anthony Davis looked um, was Mello. Mello hit some really big shots in this game, and we absolutely needed him to do that. Uh, outside of Davis and Westbrook, Mello was the only other player to get into double digits. He had 21 points and hit some really big shots down the stretch. But unfortunately, we weren't able to defend. Uh, we, we actually did a better job on turnovers in this game. Uh, but Shea Gilgis Alexander hit an absolutely ridiculous shot uh, that, to me, was was a sign that they didn't actually want to win this game. He, it was a close game. They were they were coming up the floor, and he just launched a like a half court shot, and it was nothing but net. But I can tell you, in the stadium, the entire fan base of the Lakers were like, "Great! Like I can't believe he shot that." And then it splashed in and everyone was like, oh, God, like this is ridiculous. Not only that, Westbrook missed like three or four layups right at the rim, just attacking the rim, which is fine. I wanted him to do that, but he's got to be able to finish. And this man, I don't know the last time I've seen him dunk in the lane anymore. And maybe that's just something that he can't do anymore. And, you know, with his age. Oh, he can. Come on. We all, everyone in there was like, if you're going to take it strong to the rack, please dunk the ball because you're missing these ridiculous like layup, these like reverse handed layups. Anyway, it was a really disappointing loss. Another comeback win for the Thunder. At one point we were up by 19. Do you think I, that's the, do you think that's the Lakers age showing at the end of games though? Like if a lot of these games are getting close and these teams are catching up in the fourth, do you think that's them being lazy or do you think it's, it's age in the legs? Do you think that's the factor? No, I don't think it's age. Uh, I honestly think it's not even the fourth. It, we're the worst NBA team in the third quarter. 
we have we are like 28th out of 30 in points. Uh, we we are like 29th uh, for points allowed. Our third quarter is where we let everyone back in, and that should not be the case. And so, I'm I have not brought up Frank Vogel very often in this podcast to start the season. I think he's uh, still you know tinkering and trying to work through uh, this game, you know the, the, this roster. Uh, and of course, having LeBron in and out is not easy. But we should still be beating teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder pretty easily with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook on the floor with the rest of the, with the rest of the crew that we have. So I don't think it's age. I think there is a, some sort of flaw that's happening and I have to look at Vogel as to why we're not coming out ready with intensity in the third quarter. Cause the third quarter, when we have, you know, a little bit of a lead, uh, honestly, in this game, they came back a bit in the second, at the end of the second quarter. So I think that, has to be something that Frank has to address. Uh, of course, he can't go out there and, and like bring the intensity himself because he's you know sitting on the sideline. But that's something that's happening very consistently for this Lakers team. And it's very concerning because if we're not bringing that intensity in the third quarter, every single NBA team is going to be able to come back into these games regardless of how many points we're up by. And that is something that I think he has to do a better job with. And I don't know if that means we have to switch the lineup or – you know, start Dwight Howard in the third. Cause I'll I tell you what about it, with Dwight, he plays hard. You know what I'm saying? I, he's not the best <laughs> and maybe he plays too hard at times and he tries to do all this bullshit, like, you know, elbowing and fouling. But I think sometimes we just need some intensity. And that's the one thing that he does bring Dwight Howard is intensity. I, I mean, I think Westbrook also brings that, but I don't know. I don't know what it is that has to change other than the fact that we have to come out of halftime ready to fucking play and not thinking that we already have these games won in some circumstance. Yeah, I think I was, it's like, it's simple math when it comes to basketball. It's like, if you can minimize turnovers and shoot the three better than the other team, like you can either get back into a game or completely separate yourself from, from the other player. And a lot of these games I've watched, even with the Clipper games as well, like it's amazing what, what three turnovers in a row can do for, can do for a squad, you know? Um, I want to push back a little bit on what you said about SGA though. Like I took that crazy shot, which I've never seen him shoot, especially like not at the end of a shot clock or anything like that as like supreme confidence. Like he is the leader of that team. Uh, this 23 year old kid is the leader of that basketball team. And if anybody's going to take that shot, it should be him. Um, but I, I mean, wow, what a, I mean, if that's not a top shot moment, I don't know what is. And that kind of sucked the, cause it didn't get the lead, right. It just got them within like two, if I'm not mistaken. I think at that point they had the lead. Did I think, cause it was like a minute left too, right? Like, there was, there was some time in the ball game. It wasn't well, like we were playing catch up. We were right. playing catch up. So I'm pretty sure they had the lead with that shot. And I think it might've even gone to like five points with that shot. Something like that. I mean, I was he drinking heavily. So some when of you, some you have of to let them know when you're with your brother, it's tequila. It's not beer. It's not beer. It's tequila. Exactly. So some of the fourth is a little blurry uh, in my memory, but the <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that they were already, if not winning, it was it was a very big moment, obviously for them because it was it either pushed them up a little bit further ahead or it vaulted them into the lead. Uh, but I can just tell you that I agree with the fact that he has the green light to do shit like that. But they were, they were able to kind of move the ball around very easily against us. 
So that's why I'm saying like that shot was just out of fucking nowhere because it's not like we were stopping them defensively or like causing them a shit ton of problems. They could have just run their stuff and they probably would have got a decent look or certainly a better look than that. And I think the bottom line is, is like if he misses that shot, then it's a different story. Right. right? Then we're like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, mm-hmm. why would you why would you take that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he absolutely drains it. And the narrative has changed, uh, you know, automatically to like, look at how good this guy is. And he's by far the best player on their team. It's not even close. Uh, but the, I think the thing that did happen in this game, it's the same thing that I that I talked about in, last pod uh, when they came back against us is we started to double him. And then that leaves other shooters wide open. And that's just not a recipe for success in this NBA where you have shooters everywhere. It, you, we don't need to double team a guy who's 30 feet away from the basket. Like we had Avery Bradley in the lineup. We have these guys that we should be able like Bazemore. I don't, uh, there should be something fucking put Anthony Davis on him. Like I m- let's make him work to get a good shot instead of like doubling him and then having to swing, swing, rotate all the way through. They're going to get a wide open look. And it happened every time we doubled him in both the games that we played against them. So uh, again, that's actually, that's another Vogel thing. I think Vogel is still a very good coach. I think we obviously play a lot better when LeBron James is on the floor. Uh, and I think we're actually leaning on LeBron a, a lot. Like, <laughs> And I, that may be an obvious statement because he's LeBron, but part of the reason that we got you know, Anthony Davis, part of the reason we got Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, all these guys is that we should have options. And that we should be able to, without LeBron, win a game like this where we were up comfortably at one point. So it's just bad. It's, it's, it's really disheartening, especially after having a couple wins bouncing back from that terrible Oklahoma city loss last week uh, to see this happen again at home. It was terrible. It's their only two wins of the season is OKC. And, and they, they should have three, they should have beat the Clippers. Okay. They, they should have, and back to SGA, like he he's added this step back three to his game now. And he's, he's another one of these kids who's just gotten better. He's worked on his game every single summer. He hit like three or four step backs on us. Um, and they should have won that game, but we pulled it out. Um, moving, moving to the Clippers really fast. Uh, and I won't spend too much time on it, but we're finally finding our stroke. Reggie's come alive. He's hitting his shots. Paul George has been absolutely just nuclear. He has, has been so fucking good. And, you know, in this, in this uh, Minnesota game, he wasn't the other night. He didn't even break a sweat with the stuff he was doing. I do have concerns with the team right now. I, I seem to spend a lot of time saying to myself when I'm watching the games, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is this? Right. And this is what, this is how I feel. I don't think the Bledsoe experience uh, experiment is working. And I'm saying that because I don't think the Bledsoe starting experiment is working. I just don't like Bledsoe shooting threes. That should be our last, the last option on the floor is for Bledsoe to shoot a three. I think his mid range is really good. I think his drive to the basket is really good. He plays very well with the second unit. And I think he belongs there. Going back to SGA, if if fucking Sam Presti stole him from us, like SGA is exactly what the Clippers need right now to win a championship. But that's neither here nor there. I like Eric Bledsoe. I like Eric Bledsoe coming off of the bench. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with him in the starting lineup. I just don't think it mixes well. And 
I, I don't think Zubak is doing too well <laughs> uh, at, the, at the starting center. We're getting a lot. You know how you want to have more energy in the third? I want us to come out with more energy and stop relying on, on the three ball. I don't know where, like, in the past five years, six years, that the, since analytics has been like a huge thing, where now two-point mid-range jumpers just aren't worth it anymore and you shouldn't take them. I am totally against that, right? Like, look at DeMar DeRozan, look at Kawhi, uh, even PG likes to do it. But Bledsoe, if your bread and butter is 15 to 17, like, let's do that. The three is not working, all right? And especially with all of the shooters that we have on, the, on our team, you should be the last one taking that, okay? Reggie, Paul, Luke, you know, fucking I'd take them shooting it all day. Now, we don't have Marcus Morris. We don't have Ibaka. And here's another thing, Serge Ibaka. I want you to, like, are you going to play for us or no? Like, let's make the decision. If Serge isn't going to be playing for us this season, he's been cleared to, to practice for like the past month, right? Are you going to play? He would bring so much value to us right now. And it's the little things, even the, the Marcus Morris and, uh, you know, we were the best shooting team in the NBA last year. We were the best free throw shooting team in the NBA last year. And yeah, it's taken a couple, I'm, I'm so happy that Reggie is back, like shooting well. Paul George has been great. And like you said about LeBron, there's two ways this season can go. We can ride fucking Paul George as hard as we can to turn out these victories, which isn't going to be good in the long run if we're shooting for the playoffs, right? Or we can figure it out offensively with the right with the right people in at the right time. I'm still a little uh, confused about Justice Winslow uh, a little bit. But I like Hardenstein, I like Terrence Mann, and I just think we need to find the right chemistry for that second unit. And I think once Marcus Morris is back and once Ibaka is back, we're going to have a better you know, grasp on it. But it was a slow start for us. We're three and four right now. We got Minnesota back again tonight. It was awesome seeing Patrick Beverly back. And fun fact about that game is the same things that we used to get mad at Patrick Beverly for. Like at the end of the game, he got a technical on Luke Kennard in a, in a key moment, got a technical for, for being Pat Beverly and slapping his hand away. And then he, he caused a fucking out-of-bounds turnover on the same play. That little turnaround, that two turnovers right there, sealed the game for us. And uh, it was good to see Patrick back, though. But wh what have you thought about the Clippers? Well, I think something that I've noticed – uh, with both of our squads and honestly throughout the NBA there's not enough offensive plays being run okay we know we know there's very talented players on every team but guess what when you run a set you get a good look and too many times shit breaks down and sure sometimes the defense is there you run your set defense is good. They, they get over the screens. They they're able to get out to the shooters or whatever it is, whatever set you're running. Sometimes defense is good enough to blow up that play. But most times when you run your guy off a couple screens, then there's a side action. You get the ball on the post. Like for, for us and the Lakers, we get Anthony Davis in the post. Good things happen out of offensive sets. And something that, especially for the Clippers is you guys are a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. It's a lot of Reggie, like da, 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 da jumper and sure reggie's good he's good enough to do that i mean especially in this game he was he was hitting the lights out from three 
but earlier in the season, he was not doing that. And then it's just a lot of bricks, right? Because, and then there's, then there's not enough offensive rebounding there for you to actually have a shot at the jumper. And again, this isn't just the Clippers. This is something I've seen throughout the NBA. Um, and I don't know what that is, whether that's just like the guy, like the coach is not calling plays and just saying, go ahead and do your thing. Or is it the coach calling plays and players going, no, fuck that. I'm just going to do my thing. Right. But either way, I think offensive sets should be run a lot more. Like, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me when you, when like Vogel or anybody will call any coach will call a timeout, they'll run a set out of a play and boom, it works. it's and it a works. fucking bucket. Right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't we do that more? And then the mm-hmm. next time down the floor, he calls a play, play doesn't fucking happen. Someone going one-on-one and it's a tough shot. So that's the first thing. And I think for the Clippers, that's something that you guys have to figure out because Reggie and Paul are good enough to take their players one-on-one. Yes, but it's better when you can get everyone involved. We can get Luke coming off screens. And guess what? When he comes off a screen, defenders trailing, someone else is going to have to step up. There's a drop-down pass to Zubak or Hardenstein. And then there's another defender that has to slide over and recover. Then you got the kick to the the corner, and it's a wide-open catch-and-shoot three as opposed to a step back with a hand in your face. So I think that's something that the Clippers and the Lakers both need to do more of. It, it's cra- It's wild you say that because I, it, I, I totally agree with you in what you're saying because guys like Reggie and Paul George can create for other players. So maybe not necessarily you need to run a play, but every time Luke Kennard comes into the game, it seems like we're running set plays because he is not a great one-on-one player. He's a catch and shoot guy and we need to get him open. And when we run those plays, they actually work, you know? But I just, I think... I think the right move, and I think it's fair for this to happen, is I think Terrence Mann starting would be a better fit right now. I think we he brings the energy and he brings the defense. And look, defensively, we look really good. We do. We look very good. But I'm, I'm seeing a lot of turnovers. I'm seeing a lot of a drop passes by Zubak, a lot in the paint, in the post. He has been very underwhelming for us this year. Like right now, he's been very underwhelming. So and, and here's a question for you, and I know – we, we brought this up during the Olympics, but a lot of people are shooting very bad. They changed the ball from Spalding to Wilson now. Obviously, it was a money move. I don't understand why you changed the ball that you've been using for, for, for decades now. Um, and some people are having a hard time gripping it and whatnot. Like me and you think a basketball is a basketball, but to these guys, it's a little different. And I don't think it's not an easy switch to be like, okay, we'll go back to Spalding. You don't, because there's obviously a contract involved and money involved in this. But do you think that plays a factor to why some of these guys are shooting so bad? Yeah, I do. I mean, sure. There, if, if you change the ball, even even slightly, there, there, for shooters, there might be you know, some difficulty there. But I would say that, like, for instance, Paul George is shooting very well, right? So it hasn't affected him. I, it's weird, right? Like Steph Curry, I don't think the ball has affected him, even though he had a really rough night against the Hornets. But, I mean, shit, he was, he was what was that, 25-point quarter against the Clippers. Don't ball bring it up, Drew. The you ball didn't affect the, him. You know what I loved about that Steph Curry game last night, though? He tried to do his turnaround, look away from the fucking – I hate it when people do that uh, – I mean, I used to do that and I love doing that, but uh, he turned around and looked at the the Hornets bench and fucking bricked right off the backboard. I got to stop dropping the F-bombs too, by the way, a lot on this episode. Uh, it made me feel good inside that he's actually human and and that did not, that was not a good look for him. Yeah. I mean, look, I so regarding the ball, what I've heard is that it feels a little heavier. Uh, what I also heard is that 
the NBA and Wilson were trying to make it a seamless transition and the ball was supposed to be almost identical, uh, which obviously can't happen, right? Like it's not going to, it's not going to work like that when you switch brands, even though they have all the metrics, they have all the, you know, the measurements and the weight and all that stuff. Uh, I, you know, and we've done this before, right? The NBA has changed the ball, whatever, 10 years ago, there was a change to the ball. I think it was. Uh, and then that one ended real quick because, the, you know, I remember they, it was about the dribbling and the feel of the ball. Jimmy Jackson off. said Jimmy Jackson said that when they changed the ball, they went to like the synthetic leather that like it just did not feel right on anybody's hand. So you're, you're right on that. So I think, you know, it, look, it's still early. And I think all these shooters will, as they get more reps with the ball, will start to come around with it. Uh, but I also think it's a nice and easy excuse. Right. So like if if Harden, for instance, or, or Dame, who has. Apparently, you know, it, I know CJ say some, said something about it. I don't know if Dame actually came out and said anything about it uh, in reference to how poorly he's shooting. I think it's a nice excuse, right? You can say, yeah. hey, this fucking ball is weird. It feels different. And maybe it's the truth. Maybe they don't feel it, like it's just not there yet. Um, but yeah, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you've heard my my thoughts on the on the ball from the from the Olympic standpoint and the international standpoint. So I don't need to go too far into that. I, I do think when you change the ball even slightly, it, it can affect, it can affect players. And it clearly it's affecting different players in, in different ways uh, and then not affecting players at all in certain, you know, or maybe you're just not shooting. You're in a shooting slump. That's can, what I'm saying. I right. think it's an easy excuse for the right. guys that are just like bricking right now. They're just not making shots and be like, you know, that ball is, I think it's the ball. I got to it say it's, it's wild though, Drew, I, uh, out of all the games I'm watching, I'm seeing a lot of air balls. I'm seeing a lot of air balls in a lot of games like that. OKC game. Darius Baisley had about four airballed three. Maybe I'm exaggerating. It was at least three, but airballed three pointers, you know, and I'm seeing a lot during the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I, I would say that Baisley's due for an airball, regardless of what kind of ball he's shooting up. <laughs> All right. What I want to say one more thing about the Clippers. Okay. And uh, this, this kind of pissed me off. And again, it's very early in the season. All right. But NBA.com came out with the NBA MVP ladder already. Okay. Oh, they gave their top 10. Now hear me out really quick. How are you going to have the top 10 MVP ladder and not have the number one score in the NBA and the number one steals leader in the NBA, Paul George, here's their ladder. KD, Steph, Jimmy, Ja, Damar, Rudy, Luca, AD, Giannis, Joker is their is their top 10 not one mention of paul george if i'm gonna have to spend a whole this whole season already defending my guy you're laughing i see you laughing i am the paul george support group dude do you think that's fair although the clippers are in eighth or whatever we're in ninth at three and four record do you think that's why he was left off i think it has to be the only reason that they can justify leaving him off right now he's playing very very well i mean it, he's averaging 29 points a game, 7.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists. And all three of the wins that you have is pretty much because of him. Right. I mean, in particular, that Oklahoma City game where he just went off in that fourth and just like just took over the game. Uh, so, yeah, I think the only reason that, that that the NBA or the person that created that list would exclude him is because of the record. Uh, and then I think the rest of the guys that you've mentioned thus far all have winning records, right? The rest of the 10 all are on teams that have a winning record. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm fine. It's hard not to argue. I mean, I think, I mean, what's Brooklyn? Brooklyn's like in fifth right now, right? Brooklyn's five and three. Right. Okay. 
and I'm fine with the Steph, the Jimmy thing. Okay. Jaw. All right. Like he's been playing out of his mind. Damar has been great. Rudy there's they're eight and one right now. And he's playing out of his mind. God dang it. If Rudy Gobert ever wins an MVP, what are we going to do, Drew? It's not going to happen. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's not, there's no way he's going to win MVP. There's just no chance. There's no chance. Oh. But I tell you what, the guy's rebounding like a fucking monster right he's, now. Look, we, as much as we rip on, on, Gobert, I we both have said like this guy plays the center position so well. He does everything you want from your center. The guy's blocking shots, sets crazy ass screens, and does not do anything out of the ordinary. Like you know, shoot. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would say um, I think his free throws are getting better too. I mean, he's shooting this season. He's shooting sixty eight percent from from the free throw line, and I know for a long time. He was nowhere close to that number. But, I mean, his stats are pretty incredible. And, and yes, he's on a team that has the best record in the NBA. So, he's averaging 15 and 17 rebounds a game. Mm. So, look, uh, certainly not MVP for anybody. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to vote for him for MVP. But, I look, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year again, right? And that's, that it just is what it is. You can just pencil him in. I don't want it. I, in the in the other podcast, I wanted Draymond Green for Defensive Player of the Year just because I'm trying to pick against Rudy. Uh, but those numbers are outstanding for for anybody. I mean, he's three rebounds ahead of the next closest guy, which is Valanchunas, who's averaging 14 rebounds a game uh, on a team that is missing a lot of shots. Uh, so, you know, to, to get back to your point, I think it's so early for them to come out with any sort of ladder or rankings – for MVP. I mean, we haven't even played 10 games yet. <laughs> I know, I know. And so I know it's, you know, it's just something for them to throw out there. People love to engage in debate and then look, it got us talking about it. Well, because uh, the Paul course. George hate is real guys. It's real. Can you just watch this man play? It is so effortless. This guy is so fucking good. And if somebody ever says to me again, yo, he called himself playoff P get over it. And just appreciate how good this guy is, man. He's done this for every team he's played on. Yeah. And I mean, so was LeBron James on, on your list? Not on the NBA.com list, no. Right. So he he, he didn't make it either, right? So I again, uh, LeBron, he hasn't played enough games probably to make right. that top 10 list. But the games he's played in, I would say he's one of the top five players for sure in MVP voting at this point. He is playing out of his mind when he's on the floor. So again, too early. Yes. But I understand I understand why your gripe about Paul George not making the list is is valid. No, because you know what's going to happen, Drew? He's going to have, in, in, in an upcoming game, he's going to have like 13 and, and 6, right? He's going to have an off night, and then people are going to chime in on Paul George and how he can't carry a basketball team. <laughs> I hate the media sometimes. Uh, I want to bring something up about Scottie Pippen because we, we talked about it on our page a little bit. Uh, shocking, Scottie Pippen's pissed at something. And now he's taking shots at MJ. And what do you think about this, man? Like, he's pissed off that he didn't get any money from the last dance. Uh, he's pissed off that, that he, Michael didn't give him or the teammates the credit they deserve, which I think is bullshit. I think he gave them enough credit, right? I want to talk about the money thing first. And I'm no business mogul at all. But if you're going to use me for a, a five-part or ten-part, which was supposed to be, uh, documentary series on Netflix regarding my basketball team, you are going to pay me for my likeness and my time. So don't tell me that you didn't have an option to get money from doing these, these interviews. You're, you fucked that up. 
And the footage is owned by Michael Jordan. And nobody's watching this documentary to see Scott Burrell or Luke Longley's take on the 96 Bulls, okay? I think that he messed that up in his own right to not get the bread that he should have gotten. Now, mind you, I'm not in those negotiations. I don't know if it was brought up and Michael or Netflix, who's worth billions of dollars, didn't say, yes, we'll pay you, Scottie Pippen. So first, tell me what you think about that. Well, the money thing is interesting because if Scotty agreed to be on a documentary, then he should have also negotiated some sort of wages or some something. Um, but but the thing that seems uh, puzzling to me is why he would do all of that and and knowingly apparently not receive some sort of contract or some sort of check. Um, or have some sort of deal in place for when it comes out that I want a piece of, you know, whatever money is made from it, like blah, blah, blah. And then after the fact, be upset. Like, I, I, who, who are you mad at? Who are you mad at? Like, you, you only have yourself to look at, right? I just, I think it's similar to the um, the Nerlens Noel thing that we brought up uh, a few weeks back, where it's like, yeah, Nerlens can complain that he didn't get the contract that he was supposed to get in his mind, but he was the one that signed on the dotted line or refused to sign on the dotted line uh, in, in his contract uh, situation where he would have gotten a lot more money to stay with Dallas. So I just think it's, I think it's a similar situation to that. Like why would Scotty be mad about not receiving any money when he didn't advocate for his own self in order to receive money in the first place? It just seems uh, a little contradictory to me. Well, the whole reason for this book is because this last dance pissed him off so much, I guess, that he had to come out and say something. And taking shots at MJ, look, I guess this works both ways. Like, there'd be no Scottie Pippen if there wasn't MJ. MJ probably wouldn't have six titles without Scottie Pippen. But I can, although we can't say for sure, I will pretty much guarantee that Michael Jordan would have at least one championship without Scottie Pippen, you would, you would assume, right? And just like you know, would Pau Gasol be, be so loved and be in the Hall of Fame without Kobe? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. But so then Jalen Rose comes out and says that Scottie Pippen, I'm going to read the quote, Scottie Pippen, he is the most disrespected all-time great player in any sport that any game has seen. It's not even close. And I posted that on our page last night, and I, and I respectfully disagreed with Jalen on this because I don't know. I don't know one person that ever dogged Scottie Pippen. Like when we talk about the Bulls and Michael Jordan, we always talk about Scottie Pippen and how valuable he was. Like we have given this man his flowers. Everybody has. So the disrespect, I just, I don't see it. How are, how are you the most disrespected athlete of all time? I don't get it. I don't understand that either. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember in the last dance, them saying that he was probably the best player in the NBA but below Michael, right? Like, so I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know what he's looking for. Is he, does he, does he want all of us to say he was just as good as Michael Jordan? Is because that what answer, you want? The answer is no. I mean, that's not, that's not the truth. So we can say that. I can, I can sit here and go like, Scotty Pippen was just as good as Michael Jordan. Who the fuck's going to believe that? We all saw it when it happened. We all saw it on the last dance when they rehashed it. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, look, the only thing that I can think of at this point, why he's doing this is marketing for his book, for the book, right? Just the way that like, I don't know, Kanye and 50 cent had like a beef when their albums were dropping 10 years ago uh, or Kanye and Drake had a beef 
when their albums were dropping a few months ago because beef or you know whatever animosity sometimes drives eyeballs to what you're trying to sell kanye has been very good at doing that so the only thing that i can think of is scotty's making these outlandish claims because he wants people to buy the book and it could be a, a great marketing ploy i'm interested to see what the book has in it but I don't think he's disrespected at all. We, I think everyone, I think everyone thinks he's probably in the top five best defensive players ever in NBA history, and arguably number one for a lot of people. I would be fine with you saying that Scottie Pippen was the best defensive player the NBA has ever seen. I'd be fine with that. Right. I'm not going to sit here and argue that point. What does he want? I guess is is my question. Well, so then there's this factor: is like you're you're calling out Michael Jordan for being an asshole. Well, it's very well documented. If you watch The Last Dance, Michael Jordan was an asshole. He expected a lot out of his players. And if you're trying to like shed new light on Michael Jordan was kind of an asshole, you're not telling us anything new, right? If you watched 10 minutes of The Last Dance, you could tell what my, and when I say, I say asshole respectively, you know, he was very, uh, and we've said this before on the show, like most of the great, great alpha male athletes have been have been assholes lance armstrong watch his documentary asshole pete rose if you've ever heard any story about pete rose asshole we talked about rick barry who at one point was like the best player in the aba nba super asshole still an asshole at 77 um and michael jordan and kobe bryant like it's just that's their mentality so i just think it's petty at this point like the legacy the last dance was so amazing and i think he could have wrote it a whole other way you know and kept you know i just don't see the disrespect i don't see anybody saying you know scotty pippen was all right michael could have won it without scotty pippen no nobody would ever say that yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know where the voices are coming from that are like dogging Scotty. And to me, I think the one who's actually the most respected in the last dance is Horace Grant. That's the guy who got like no love. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that guy was really. Well, Scott Burrell got clowned a lot in that. Like it was just a it was a bash session on Burrell. Exactly. And so I, I think your point about like, is Scotty is Scotty revealing anything that wasn't already known here about Michael Jordan? No fucking way. Everyone knows that Michael is the ultra competitor. He's he's he he that was his form of leadership. And that was what Kobe tried to emulate because he tried to be Michael Jordan. Uh, and then Kobe, you know, switched a little bit towards the end there. But I still think there is nothing new coming out of this other than the fact that apparently Scotty's upset, which I don't know. And part of the course. Mike's held on such a pedestal that no matter what Scottie Pippen says, you're never going to knock him off the pedestal. Like there's not, unless you say he beat, like he beat his wife or he was an avid drug user or something like that. Nothing's going to knock this man off his pedestal. So I'm curious to read the book. I'm going to buy the book. I want to read the book because I also like picking on Pippen too, because it seems like every about six months, there's something that comes out with Scottie in, in bitter retirement mode. Um, and that sucks because we love Scottie Pippen. So just like right off into the sunset with the six rings and your legacy intact and being a top 75 player of all time. Yeah. And I just to go off Jalen's point, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I would say, is a more disrespected NBA player. Good point. Than Scottie fucking Pippen. Mm-hmm. Is Scottie Pippen on any of these lists that we have recently seen, like assist lists? scoring lists top 10 no kareem has owned the number one spot for decades 
and people ignore him as potentially the greatest player of all time. So like, come on, Jalen. I don't know what Jalen's doing other than trying to like, I don't know, pat Scotty on the back and be like, I'm here for you, dude. Like I'll, I'll ride for you, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't get the point. Me either. You know, we can't have a podcast without bringing up uh, Ben Simmons drama. So Ben has officially finally been fined 360 K for missing a game. And they're going to start continuing to find him per game, 360 K. Um, because he's not, he's not been cooperative with the health staff. He's saying he's having mental health issues, which is serious, and he, he might be going through it. I don't know. But he's not going to the doctors to fix the problem. That's the issue, right? And I'm perfectly fine with them starting to find him. I think they should have found him earlier. And Philly's looking really good without him. Like, every day this guy's stock's going further and further down – and this money is going to start piling up. You know, let's just say in a week, it's going to be over a million, a million dollars, right? So at this point, I just, if I'm Ben Simmons, I have to suit up, like I'll suit up. I have to play or do something, but they're doing fine without him. Well, yeah, they're, they're the number one team in the East right now. They're seven and two. Uh, and Simmons just needs to go to the doctor, dude. I, I mean, fuck suiting up. Just go to see a psychologist, mm-hmm. a therapist. That's on staff too. They're well, doesn't he, honestly, honestly, I don't even think it matters whether or not the, the, they're on staff. Go see somebody, right? Say if you have mental health problems, you're not going to figure it out by yourself. Go see a professional. And I, I'm assuming that the fines will stop. But it just seems like he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just not mentally ready to play. And they're like, OK, well, maybe we should get you some help. And he's just going, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then you're like, OK, well, then this is not tenable. You, you, you can't say that you have an issue. Right. Like if, if he had an ankle injury and he just refused to do rehab on his ankle, they would find him for that. I, it's the same. It's the same thing. Uh, but to your point, Philly looks fantastic without him. And really like a banged up Embiid, they still are winning games and looking very good. Uh, Embiid is not has not had the, you know, the most amazing start to the season. He had the first game injury where the the knee on knee contact. Uh, obviously, he's he had that meniscus problem last year uh, in the postseason. So I, I, I think Embiid is still not nearly 100%, but this Philly team is rallying around not having Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And this is something I didn't expect, uh, to be quite honest, with, an, uh, with the Simmons stuff still looming over their heads and Embiid not being 100%. Even Tobias was out with health and safety protocols recently, uh, but everyone is playing very good for that team, uh, really outside of Embiid, who's playing fine. Like, he's still good, but he's not doing his like 30 and 15 every night like we kind of expect him to be. Uh, but Seth Curry, fantastic right now. George mm-hmm. Niang, some, somebody that most NBA fans probably don't even know who the fuck he is uh, out of Iowa State. And then he was on Utah for a while. He's stepping in and doing great things for them. Matisse Thibel is making Simmons look so expendable yeah. because he is fantastic. And guess what? He shoots more shots and makes more shots than Ben Simmons. And I would say he's arguably just as good defensively. He's not as tall and he's not as strong as Ben, but he is a very good defender. They're going to have to pay Uh, that man. They're going to have to pay that man. Yeah. And I think they will gladly pay Matisse Mm -hmm. because hopefully that means that Simmons is somewhere else. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I think the Sixers are off to a very, very good start from a team perspective, despite their two stars, not, not one, not being, involved at all and one being banged up this is a better start than I would have expected for the Sixers and one thing that I did I, I mentioned a few times on this podcast 
I was confused by the addition of Andre Drummond. I am no longer confused by his addition because Daryl Morey is a very smart man. And when they go to the second unit, they play Drummond at the center and they just surround him with three-point shooters. What's Drummond's best feature? Rebounding. So he goes, fine, we're going to get Drummond in. So when Embiid comes out, we'll put Drummond in. We'll have all shooters around him. We'll get Cork Maz out there. We'll get all our shooters. And guess who's just gobbling up rebounds? Andre fucking Drummond. It's working beautifully. And so hats off to Daryl Morey. I called that way incorrectly. I was off Drummond because he was a... He, we both he, did. We both did on that. Well, but he... He, he was not great for the Lakers last year, right? Well, we gave he might him, have not been utilized properly either. Well, it's just tough with him and AD, to be, to be fair, right? Mm-hmm. And I, the thing is, is like Philly is utilizing him perfectly for this system. When he's out there, you don't, he, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can go and set screens, and he can just offensive rebound all day, defensive rebound all day. And it's working beautifully uh, in that respect. So shout out to them and to Drummond for, for finding a good fit. So the NBA is also opening an investigation on Suns owner um, Sarver. Robert Sarver. Sarver, Bob, Bob Sarver. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff has come out in the media, in the press, and a lot of disturbing things have come out in the media, in the press, and about his antics behind the scenes. I've, I saw a, a tweet where he went on a rampage talking about why Draymond Green gets to use the N-word and he's not allowed to use the N-word. That's one of the tweets I saw. And then he went on to be saying that word. Now, I want to be clear on this. I have no, this is not like Donald Sterling. It's not like Donald Sterling because there was a smoking gun with Donald Sterling. There was a recording of Donald Sterling. It wasn't he said, she said. I mean, obviously it was well-documented that this guy was an asshole and most likely racist his whole life. And without the recording, Balmer probably wouldn't be in in charge right now. Right now in Phoenix, it's he says, she said, I have no comment on this because I don't know what's going on. The NBA is going to do a thorough investigation about it. I hope it's not true. Uh, I, I do know that the Suns are very diverse in their hiring. They have a black GM. They have a black coach. Um, I don't know Sarver. I don't know anybody that's worked for him. So I just hope the NBA does their investigation and whatever they come out with, I hope they're swift with it. If, if these things that were said are true, then he needs to get the boot just as fast as Sterling got the boot, if not faster. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'll be very interested to see the results of, of their investigation. Uh, from everything we've heard at this point, this is not something that was recent. This has been apparently happening. He's been there for 17 years as the owner. This has apparently been happening for potentially the majority of the time he's been there. So this is not something that was like a one-off, like last month he said some random shit. This is something that's been unfortunately happening there, potentially happening there for years. Uh, So what I know about Sarver is he's a very fickle individual. He's a very frugal guy. Uh, Seems like he, until recently with the Chris Paul contract, was not interested in having a Phoenix Suns organization win. He was not interested in that really since the Steve Nash era, uh, a little more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I'm curious to see the findings of this investigation. It, 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 it disheartens me because if that's, if, if these allegations are true, if this stuff is true, then that workplace environment is terrible. 
And I feel bad for the people that have been subjected to this stuff um, and potentially like fired or run out of the organization uh, for, for invalid reasons. Uh, so anyway, I, I agree with what you said. I don't have any real insight beyond what has been reported at this point, uh, but this is not a good look. And Sarver's already disliked, I think, as an owner. And this, this could be, like you said, the end of his ownership if, if all this stuff comes out and it's, and, it's, uh, and it's all true. I mean, let's hope it's not. Also, like, they've had so much – I mean, what is it? Seven coaches in eight years. They'd have, like, seven GMs, you know what I mean, over the past decade. You might have pissed a lot of people off. Maybe this is, you know, trying to get back at Sarver or whatnot. But I know the NBA is very thorough about this, and they take it very, very seriously. So I think they're going to – uh, you know, do their best to 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 fig- to get to the bottom of this and do the right thing accordingly. Something that's interesting too is that Chris Paul has has you know firsthand knowledge of this, being on the Clippers with the Sterling thing. Uh, so I think maybe uh, the only positive for the Suns for the team is that they have a leader that has been through this shit before, and maybe they can you know he can help them just focus on their mission and focus on like game by game, you know, still trying to achieve getting back to the finals and moving forward as a team. But I have to say that it's going to be difficult. I would imagine for all those guys that are on that team to, you know, want to put on a son's Jersey. If more and more of this horrible stuff is, is released and then found to be true. So I think that's, that's going to be difficult. But the only thing that I, I wanted to say is that Chris Paul might be able might be the only guy, that can help them navigate this uh, from a player standpoint. So kind of switching back to some NBA action, we've had some standouts thus far this early in the season that are not your typical all-star names. So I have a question that I'd like to pose, and it's about three guys in particular who have started off very, very hot. Which of these three players will sustain the hot start? Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole, or Miles Bridges? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, I'm already in the water on pool. You know, I'm already drowning. Like, just throw me a life raft. I love me some Jordan pool. Um, and Miles is turning into like a, a real basketball player. And it's it's fun to watch. I think with the chip on his shoulder, Hero is so nice, man. I was, I was watching their game the other night. And his ability to get to the rack and get a, and also get a, get a shot off. Um, I think the chip on the shoulder for Hero and having that support of Jimmy and and Kyle on that squad, I think Hero is going to have a, a like a breakout year. I think we're I think Jordan Poole is going to be good, but I think there's going to be nights where it's bad or he doesn't, you know, he, he, he five points, three assists, something like that. But I also think that Hero is going to be it's going to be sustained throughout the whole season. I like his game so much and I just think with that edge with that that shitty season he had, uh it weighs on him and I've seen that you could see it in his game, the confidence, uh the ability to get to the rack and the support group. I, I I'll take Tyler Hero on that. Yeah, the reason I bring these three guys up is because I think all three of them are potentially in line for most improved player of the season and with Hero uh, potentially six man of the year because he's of the three, he's the only one coming off the bench as of right now. The one that really stood out to me was miles bridges. He's been standing out to me, like talking about improvement. Mm-hmm. 
the guy has improved across the board offensively. His handle is significantly better than it was last year. His jumper, significantly better. He's actually using his offhand when he's attacking the rim a Which lot. Right, he, right? Yeah, he's left-handed. But when he gets into the paint, he's using that right hand, and it is nice, dude. You know what's funny, though, Drew? I don't mean to interrupt you. Even watching there, this is how much Bridges has improved. I didn't know he was a left-handed shooter. That's how much you – when he shot left-handed the other night, I had to re-watch it because we don't get a lot of Hornets games. I had to rewind it, and I'm like, dude, is he left-handed? I it's Because he doesn't shoot those. You're not used to seeing Bridges do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was interesting, like in that game, the, the, the Warriors against the Hornets, where we had Poole and Bridges both go off, and they were the two best players on the court, even though Steph Curry and LaMelo and – Rozier and all these other guys are out there. Those two guys absolutely stood out and took over the game for, for their respective teams. To me, I think the bridges thing is the most sustainable, right? Like hero had a six point kind of a shitty night last night against the the Celtics. The whole, the whole Miami heat team was terrible. They only scored 78 points. I don't think hero is going to have a lot of those, uh, but he was before that game. Tyler hero was leading the NBA in points per game off the bench uh, and him being able to be the, like the kind of the, the, the playmaker for that second unit. I think that is sustainable. Uh, and Jordan Poole, I mean, when he is hitting his threes, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. He's so fast. Uh, I get nervous about him cause he's a little frail. So I, when he gets a lot of contact, I get a little nervous for his injuries, but to me, the answer to this question is, is Miles Bridges. He's starting. He's a, He has a significant uh, role on the team as a starter. And I just think he's going to continue to do this stuff. He put in a shit ton of work this offseason. And it's very impressive to me. And I just wanted to shout him out because that dude, he, he's, he, he's like a different player. He's like a different player this year. And I just very, it's very awesome to see that. Well, um, if, you, if, you, if you ask out of those three who would win the most improved player, I would say you're you're right on that. I think Bridges would be right there, pool right behind him. Like we we saw what Tyler could do his rookie year, right? So now he's just trying to get back to that to that point. Uh, back to Jordan Poole, though. You're you're so right, man. Like this guy's quickness and first step is ridiculous. The ability to, to get to the rim and finish with both hands, too. They have a gem, man. They really do. Even I was talking to Crompton about it last night. I said, you have a gem in pool, and I think Bielitsa is a is a perfect pit fit for your offense. And they, and we're and I think we've said it before on the show. Uh, they just what a great pickup for both these guys. And Stephen A came out and said, I'm taking the Golden State Warriors to win the championship this year. And I don't think that's crazy. I really don't. And back to Hero, too. In my notes, I was when I was watching the Miami game the other night, I said they have every piece that they need to win a championship. You need pieces, man. When you got Jimmy and Bam and shooting with Hero and and Duncan and you know you got Morris there if you if he wants to play PJ's in there, they got every piece that they're going to need to win a championship. And if Tyler Hero is averaging 22 off the bench for the whole season, that's going to be a problem, man. Yeah, I don't think he's going to average that much, but I do think he'll settle in around 18 or so, which is great. Season, which is fantastic. Uh, and, and yeah, his playmaking in the second unit, when they can rest Jimmy, they bring him in and they, and, and sometimes they play them both together. It's, it's real nice. It's real nice. Um, the only other note that I had was going back to the, the Nets and the Hawks game that happened a couple days ago. And it's about Deandre Hunter. He did something that I can't recall seeing 
before, and he blocked a Kevin Durant jump shot. It was one of the best defensive plays. Kevin Durant was going. I didn't see this. Kevin Durant was going. Uh, he was on the right side of the wing. Couple dribbles into the like the middle of the key, pull up jump shot net. We know we see that. I don't know five to ten times a game sometimes, and no one gets a finger on it. Maybe Giannis. I think might have. That's the only other guy that I think might have potentially got a piece. DeAndre Hunter. It wasn't a piece. He fully just blocked the shot. I had not seen anyone touch Kevin Durant's jump shot. Guys, guys, seven footer. He's releasing the ball at seven and a half feet. DeAndre Hunter. Watch out for that guy. He also potentially could be included in that list of the three guys that I just mentioned. But offensively, he's been a little hit or miss uh, outside of that Nets game where he was lights out from three. Uh, but DeAndre Hunter on the Hawks, uh, when when they have him and he's hitting shots and he's able to play defense against guys like Kevin Durant that well, man, they're they're going to be real good. I think Trey's still figuring this whole this whole foul shit out. He got he, he's still up and down a little bit with the foul calls and his game in general. Um, well, Atlanta is another one of those teams that has all the right pieces. If they could just, you know, put the puzzle together, I think they'll be great. The back to Trey really quick. The comments he made last night were kind of suspect dude, where he said the regular season is boring. Like this is just boring. He, he said, I, I want the same intensity, like the playoffs. Well, the regular season isn't boring. And if you're approaching it, like it's going to be boring, that's, that's not a great approach. And, it's still NBA basketball. Why are you bored? Like, why, why, why would the game be boring to you? The intensity has to come from him. Yeah, that's what. That's the whole point. Like, <laughs> you have to look in, look in the mirror, buddy. Like, where, where it's not as intense as I would. Then that's on you, dude. You should make this. Every game should feel like a playoff game if you want the intensity. That's all. That's all there. It's all in your own head. Uh, and again, that could be an excuse for why he's, I don't know, struggling a bit. He's not. He hasn't struggled as much as James Harden or, or Dame. Oh boy. Um, but his like in that game against the Nets, he was like five of twenty-two or something like that from the field. So he's, I think maybe what he's doing is you know just trying to throw something out there to deflect the fact that he's just not playing that well from from a, from a scoring perspective. He still had like twenty-three points in that game, by the way. Tell me if you've noticed this because this was something too. We're both all for these no-call fouls, right? Like we're all definitely. For, but I'm also seeing like a lot of no calls, like they're really swallowing the whistle on a lot of shit right now. And are you noticing that in the games that you're watching? Cause I, I mean, there's just times where I'm like, dude, that that's a legit, not even on the clear. I'm saying in every game I'm watching legit foul. Do you think they're swallowing their, their, their whistles a little too much now? Are we going to get on the refs for not calling enough fouls? You won't hear me say that, that they're, they're not blowing the whistle enough. I absolutely love this. We're seeing games that are not three hours anymore, pretty much, across the board and most of the last three to four seasons there's almost every game is three hours long so from that perspective just right there i love it and i absolutely love this return to uh contact sport this is a contact sport i said it on the last one i i'm absolutely loving the flow we're seeing less stop start um throughout the game uh and i think you know when the fouls are 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 missed Okay, that's all right. Like play, play, play basketball, right? Stop, stop whining <laughs> about not getting a call. Go play defense. Like, yeah, okay, you missed a shot. You might have gotten fouled. You can talk to the ref about it, but just know that that's how it's going to be moving forward and get a little tougher. I can't imagine anyone who is an NBA fan 
who is watching the NBA now and going, this is worse than what it was last year. I, I can't imagine that. And for me, it's significantly better. I'm, I love the pace of play. Uh, and yes, I, I, you're, you're right. There's def- they're, they're missing some calls, but I, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, I don't think I mind it. I just it's, it's shocking to me how, you know, last year, literally everything. It's hard to get through a two minute, you know, a one minute sequence of basketball without something being called, you know. But then even, you know, I, obviously I'm not going to be so biased towards the Clippers, but I also see Paul George on the ground a lot. I see Bledsoe on the ground a lot. I see Reggie on the ground a lot. And so there's got to be some kind of contact. But anyways, you're right. The, the pace is much better. Nobody wants a three hour game anymore. So you're totally right. All right. So we have some fun news for you listeners and for Clips and Drew in general. We have a new partnership with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is an easy way to play daily fantasy, and it's daily fantasy simplified. Drew and I are making our first uh, entries today. Drew, explain to them basically what, what the fantasy is. So, yeah, this is, this is a really great way to make your picks on props uh, what that means essentially is this isn't you picking uh you know the warriors to beat another team this is the fun part where you get to go i think steph's going to go off for 35 tonight so what i want to do is i want to go into prize picks and see who he's playing see where the line is and i'm going to hit that over uh and so this is a lot of fun uh this has been going on uh, for a little while i think in football is probably the one that's most notable right you have your daily fantasy for football each week, you can kind of set your lineup and go forward with that. They have every single sport involved here with prize picks. We're obviously going to be focusing on the NBA portion of it because that's what we care the most about. Uh, but this is a, a lot of fun for you to be able to go ahead and make your picks on uh, who's going to score more points, who's going to have the better rebound night. They have all the great statistics as far as uh, three-pointers made, assists, all the good stuff. Um, to, so just to give you an example, with our first trial here, uh, the, the game that I want to focus on is the Memphis Grizzlies against the Washington Wizards. And the picks that I have made for that game uh, on prize picks, I've done two. I made two of them. I'm going with uh, Bradley Beal going over 26 and a half points. And I'm going with Jaron Jackson over five and a half rebounds. And what that is, is just like I said, if Jaron Jackson gets six or more rebounds, I get that. I, I win that. If Bradley Beal gets 27 or more points, I win that. And it's that easy. It, it only took, I don't know, what was like a minute or maybe less for me to figure this out. It's so easy. Plug and play. You just go to scroll through. They have literally every player, every prop that's available that you can tap on and make your picks. Uh, and the fun part about it is, too, is that you can do when you when you select these picks, you can decide whether you want like a partial, like they call it a flex play where, you know, I still get paid out if only one of these hits, or you can double down on it and do the power play. And then when both hit, you get better odds and you get your, you get more money. Uh, so those are my picks for tonight on prize picks. I'm excited to see how it goes. And, and trust me, this puts a lot more emphasis on me watching that, that, that Memphis versus Washington game than it would have before. I'm going to be raring to go for this game. Yeah. We both put 20 bucks on the same game. I chose a different, uh, uh, entry. I went with the same one Drew did, Jaron Jackson, over five and a half boards. But then I took KCP. Uh, it's nine and a half points. I went over for KCP tonight. I just needed him to get 10. We both put 20, 20 bucks down on it. The cool thing about this, guys, is like 
all the users that deposit and use our code news N E W S you'll receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. If you put a hundred bucks in, you're going to get 200 bucks to play with, put 20 bucks in, you're going to get 40 bucks to play with. Um, so this is fun. And this is something that I want you guys to do too. You can, you know, you don't have to put a hundred bucks in, but play screenshot, show us what your entries are for tonight's game. And uh, we're going to continue doing this throughout the season. We're really excited. The app is very easy to use. And uh, let's see what, what you got. Let's see if you can put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're both going to hit on ours. I have to say, the, the ones that we put out there, I think we're going to hit. We're going to take that money home. Uh, but yeah, the nicest part about it is if you're interested in doing this at all, type in that promo code news and you get double your money when you can and you can play around with that. And then, of course, if you follow our picks, you're going to hit and you're going to have more money to play with after that. So make, you know, make the picks that we made. Or, you know, maybe make some other picks that you think are good. Uh, they have every single game out there uh, for the NBA. As I mentioned, they have NFL. They have all the other sports as well. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to uh, engage and, it's and, so much, and, and make some money. Yeah, and it's so much easier than – I've never been a fan of, of this, but when it's prop and it's like over-under, it's very easy. When you start doing like, you know – 114 and a half what you know all, all the numbers and stuff like I don't like this this is easy I know Jaron Jackson's gonna get six rebounds tonight if he doesn't I'm gonna be really pissed but join uh screenshot send it to us let us know that you're playing the app is again really cool and this is gonna be something that we're gonna be continually doing throughout the season so uh final thoughts Drew yeah so my final thought is uh it's really great to have fans back in arenas uh, it was a really great experience for me to get to Staples, get out there, even though it was a loss and it was a tough game for me to watch as a Laker fan. The atmosphere of having a full Staples Center uh, or even 75% because it was, it was the Thunder last night was awesome. And I know the players appreciate it, but from a fan perspective, I cannot say enough. It is so much fun to be able to go into an arena and watch these guys play. Uh, and being able to see them in person really adds something to it. Uh, just from like a, a size standpoint, you see him on the court, like Anthony Davis, for instance, you watch him on your TV. You're like, man, that guy's pretty big. You see him on the court and you're like, he is a giant. He is literally a giant. How can he move like that? Uh, so that my final thought is very simple. I loved being able to get into the Staples Center, being able to have fans at games. It's significantly better for all the players involved. And for us as well, we get to see our favorite teams, our favorite players out there. And we get to, I get when Melo hits the three, I get to do the three to the side of my head with the entire rest of the Lakers crew. It was a blast. Go watch a game. Go check it out. It's fantastic. That's funny. The, the energy is totally different. You're right. And we take those things for granted. You know, if it wasn't such a long, like it takes forever to get to a Clipper or Laker game for Drew and I, like we're both from LA. It used to be very easy for us to go to a game. Now it's a full day thing. Like, yo, we got to beat traffic through Irvine. You got to get to Staples, find parking. You got to eat now with the COVID protocols. You got to take, takes 45 minutes just to get into the game. It's a lot, man. That's why after, you know, I've, I've seen hundreds of games live. I've seen enough unless the Clippers are in the finals or it's a great playoff series. Those are the only games I'm going to my 65 inch screen is good enough for me uh but yeah once you get to see the guys in person it's ridiculous right like yeah. anthony davis has like seven inches on you and you're a tall dude <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i'm six four <laughs> he towers over me uh but i mean your point is valid right like we don't live <laughs> that close to where staples is anymore 
so it is a journey. I left my house at 3.30. I didn't get back till 12.30 at night. Uh, but I, I have to say it was well worth it. Uh, obviously, being able to watch it with my, with my family as well was a lot of fun. Uh, so anyway, I, I just, it was great to be back in an arena and, and watch the guys go. All right, so my final thought is I have to, a bone to pick with somebody, and I'm not going to mention their name. But last night uh, on our page, I got like 10 notifications and it's the same person posting on like six or seven of our posts saying that, and it was the same sentence. It said, this pod is trash. You don't, you, you didn't even, no, you didn't talk about Enos Cantor. This pod is trash. Right. And I'm like, okay, he did this on seven different posts and whatnot. So I, of course, responded to him because I like responding to everybody. And I said, well, thank you for your awesome opinion, donut guy, because this guy's page is just about donuts. All right. So it's obviously not about basketball. But the bone I wanted to pick is this. Drew and I are very particular about the things that we talk about because we don't like to be like a lot of people and talk about shit that we don't understand. All right. I totally understand what what Enos was talking about and his gripe with Michael Jordan and, and with Nike and with LeBron. I understand what he's saying, but I don't work in China. All right. And I don't know what it's like to work in the factories that produce these shoes. And it, it's just something that I didn't think Drew and I should bring up and talk about. I mean, Drew could if Drew was very well versed on this, but I'm not well versed on it. And we like to focus on basketball related stuff that we think our listeners will be um entertained by or think that they would like to know. And I just don't want to spend 15 minutes talking, you know, talking about something that I don't know. I if if you it's like asking me about stem cell research. I don't know shit about stem cells. So why would I even bring it up? Okay. So I just wanted to, to, to say that because it's not that we like didn't know that this happened. We know what we know what happened, but we didn't think that it's like, it's like the Sarver thing. Like we could spend an hour talking about racism and sports and whatnot, but I also don't know what it's like to work for Sarver or be, you know, a part of that organization, or I never heard this man say anything. I could speak on the, on the Sterling situation. Cause I was with the organization for a long time and it was very well documented that this guy was a racist. And most likely, even if, if the, if the, uh, the audio didn't come out, something was going to happen with that situation at some point. But I just didn't feel comfortable talking about that situation. So that's why I didn't bring it up, Donut Guy. And I responded to you, and you didn't respond back to me. So there. That's why we didn't talk about it. Drew? <laughs> well, I, I will say this, that uh, Enos Cantor is amongst the, the, the most interesting players in the NBA and what he's had to deal with in his own life. Um, you know, he's had a lot of issues with his home country of Turkey and, and uh, you know, them kind of condemning him and, and his family. Uh, so I know that Enos Cantor is on top of this stuff. And the statement that he made with his shoes and uh, the, 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 the decisions that he made, I support, I support them. But just going off of what you said, I, didn't, I don't know enough about this. Uh, what I do know is that you know, child labor or some sort of slave labor that might be happening that he's alluding to. We don't agree with that. Of course we don't, but I don't know the circumstances just like you don't know the circumstances of what's going on there. This is not us supporting Nike at all, but it's also us just taking a step back and going, you know, we can talk about basketball. We know that when it comes to this stuff, I I'm not a labor lawyer. I don't, I don't have the 
the, the, the knowledge in this aspect, nor, nor do you, and we are, we're freely admitting that. And that's why we decided not to bring up Ennis Cantor's um, statement with his shoes. But I will say this. I think Enos knows plenty. And I'm, I, I think he has the platform and the right to speak out about that stuff. And I hope what he's saying uh, and his statement may change things in, in a positive way uh, for those involved. So I just, I, that's how I'll end it. I, I support Enos's statement. Uh, I think, you know, labor laws are important, uh, but that's, that's really the extent of my knowledge there. Uh, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, we're going to be back next week soon, sooner than you think. Uh, keep screenshotting, letting us know you're listening. We see all you guys that are doing that. We appreciate it. Uh, put Paul George on the MVP list, guys. Just put him on the list for crying out loud. I don't want to be doing this rant all year, okay? I'm tired of defending my guy. So follow through with Clips and Drew. And we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast